conditions to, to be here today. So let's pray. Lord God, thank you for Joanna. Thank you for just the passion and the heart that she has for, for you, for your church, for our church family, for, for everything that, that she puts her hands to. Uh, and as she comes back and takes this step of faith, really, today for her, I know it is. And, and I just, I'm just so blessed, Lord, to be able to, again, receive from, from uh, what you have to give through her today. Just mm -hmm. anoint her powerfully, anoint the kids, anoint us as adults, every generation. Give us ears to hear and, and bless this time together mm -hmm. for your namesake. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You're yeah. for Mike? Yeah. yeah, I'm great. I think I'm all hooked up. Oh, yeah, I was willing to come back and teach if I could have all of you guys help me. So we're going to be working together and have all of you guys help me, right? This is not just on the kids. We're going to be doing this together. And so this is our first Sunday of Lent. We're going to talk a little bit about what that means. And somebody who can read can read out what that says there. What does that say? Jesus is tempted. So that's the gospel story that we're going to talk about today in our Expanding the Table series. Now, what does that mean, to be tempted? Somebody's getting their finger sat on. That's no fun. Am I, this sounds really echoey. Is it okay? A bit echoey? Should I continue to use this mic? Should I just keep talking? Okay, who knows what, it, what the word tempted means? What does that mean? I'm Pax. What does it mean to be tempted? You really, 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 really want to do something that you shouldn't do. Okay. So that's what being tempted means. And so I want to know what kinds of things do you think of when you think of stuff that tempts you? What do you think of? Soph, what do you think of? Wanting to sneak cookies, okay. Nori, what do you think? You just want to squirt whipping cream right into your hand. Amy, what tempts you? Um, what do you wish you should do? What do you wish you could do, but you know you're not supposed to do? When how your dad tries to throw you out the window. This is where all the secrets come out. <laughs> We're next door neighbors. We're next door neighbors with Mark and Lynn, so I know that Amy's never been thrown through a window. I know that Amy has thrown things through. No, I won't go there. But um, okay, fair enough. As parents, we're tempted sometimes. I, 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 I don't want to go on record about this, but what tempts you, Pax? What do you think? When we get soda pop, and then we just... It's like when you see soda pop and you want to drink it. Drink me. Okay, grown-ups, your turn. What tempts you? Oh, Searsha, I didn't see you. What tempts you? You wish you so much want a pet kitty. I know, but our lease says no pets, right? Brutal. Grown-ups, what tempts you? What are you tempted to do? that you know you shouldn't do. Come on, not just kids, openness and brokenness here today. Give that driver the finger. 
Give that driver the finger, right? When you're right and that other driver's wrong, to yell. Ah! What else? Chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Me too. Me too. Sometimes we're even going to talk. We get tempted by good things. Okay, so if I was going to show you something like, something like one of these, a two-bite brownie, which I think is a misnomer because I could eat them in one bite. If I was going to show you something like this, would this be a, something that would be tempting to you? Stay in your seats. Okay, yes, exactly. All right. So if I was to show you something like one of these. Okay, this, this strawberry, this is something that's tempted for you. Now, you have a choice. You can totally have one of these right now. Or you can wait. And if you wait, I'll give you more. I'll give you two if you wait, and there's enough of them that you might even be able to have like two strawberries and brownie. I'll tell you exactly how long you have to wait. You're gonna watch a video, I'm gonna ask you some questions, and then Papa Gordy's gonna sing a song with you. And at the end of the song, anybody who thinks they can wait can have double. What do you think? Yes. Can you wait? Yes. Okay. You've waited for stuff way longer than that. All right, everybody's in. Everybody's in to wait. I will keep them covered up. So we're going we're gonna to watch this story, but you don't want to wait? Okay, so you don't have to wait. You totally get to pick. But do you understand? Do you understand that later on, Everybody's going to get to have two of them each, and later on, Amy, when everybody else has some, you won't get to have any then. So you can have it now, but then it means later on, you won't get any later on. What do you pick? It's up to you. Okay, you would like to have some later on. I promise I will keep my promise, okay? Deal? Okay, I promise I will keep my promise. Okay, deal. Okay, so everybody, can you see the screen from where you are? I think this is what PAX is going to look like later on. One thing I want you to practice, you need space. This cool guy, I don't know his name, he's going to help tell us our story. But every time the scene changes, he does this fun thing like this, swipe. So make sure nobody's near you. Okay, no hitting. This is no hitting during videos, ready? But if you like... We're going to listen to our story now. This is Matthew from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4. And then swipe. Is it hard to see with the lights on? We'll try and work that out. So we're going to listen to our reading now. These kids are going to do our reading for us, okay? So let's listen. Hey, kids. Today, we're going to talk some more about Jesus. This time, we're going to learn about how he was tempted. Get ready. Have you ever been tempted before? Like, maybe you were tempted to sneak a cookie right before dinner? Or maybe you were tempted to cheat on a quiz at school? Or maybe you were just tempted to keep picking on your kid sister, even though your mom told you not to? Well, here's the thing. 
Do you know that Jesus was tempted too? It was when he went out into the wilderness. He went there to pray and get ready for his ministry. The Bible says that the devil came out and tried to tempt Jesus. Now you don't have to worry. You just seemed a little worried. Jesus is way stronger than the devil. He's gonna be just fine. Back to the story. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, then tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's our memory verse. Do you know why the devil was talking about bread? It's because Jesus hadn't eaten for a long time. He was hungry, and so the devil tried to tempt Jesus with bread. Because he thought it might work, but it didn't. And then the devil tried to get Jesus to jump off of a building. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. So Jesus responded. And the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Did you notice that the devil was trying to trick Jesus with the Bible? He was trying to get Jesus to think that God didn't love him. He was trying to get Jesus to prove it by doing something really dumb. But Jesus already knew that God loved him. He didn't have to test that. He just had to trust it. Do you trust that God loves you no matter what anyone else says? It's true. And here is the last thing the devil did. Next, the devil took Jesus to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. I will give it all to you, the devil said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Can you believe it? The devil said he would give the whole world to Jesus. He thought Jesus would fall for that? That's like you going home and telling your parents that you'll give them all the stuff in the house if they would just let you stay up late and watch a movie. It's all their stuff anyway. You're just a kid. Jesus is God, the creator of the whole universe. The devil was just some stinking angel who got kicked out of heaven. Who do you think's gonna win that battle? Jesus did. Swipe. Then the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. Here's the big idea. Jesus made it through those temptations because he knew what the Bible says. And that's how you can make it through temptation whenever it comes. Just do what Jesus did. Quote from the Bible, yo. And tell that bad devil to get out of there. So I like how that kid says, just quote from the Bible, yo. Yeah, so Jesus talked about temptation. He thought about it, it was kind of a big deal. Miss Kim, can you do the slides for me? I'm not sure I'll be able to, I can't click at the same time. So we talked about this already, what it means to be tempted. We talked about what kinds of things tempt us. And um, 
Jesus warned us about this. So he said this to his friends when he was on earth. He said, watch out, right? Stay alert. Be in prayer so that you don't wander into temptation without even knowing that you're in danger. There's a part of you that's really eager and you're like, yeah, God, I'm ready for everything, anything. But there's another part of you that's as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. So you have to watch your human heart, right? And then when Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray, because they loved seeing Jesus pray, and they said to, came to him and they said, God, teach us how to pray. Does anybody remember what we call that prayer that Jesus taught his friends to pray? Yeah, Christine remembers? Yeah, the Lord's Prayer. And one of the things that he said in, in prayer, we say, lead us not into temptation. It's kind of funny to think, like, why would God lead us into temptation? Another way to think about it is, is to say, keep us from sinning when we're tempted. Right? Watch out for when we're tempted. So it's kind of a big deal. So we need to think about how, how, we, how do we do that. Um, so does anybody remember? So this, this story happens. You can skip to the next slide. Oh, we're going to talk about Lent in a second. But this, oh yeah, I guess we can do this first. So Lent, so Miss Lynn mentioned this first. This calendar, I know the words are too small for you to see, but how do I do the laser thingy on here? Do I press the red button for the laser thingy? Okay, so you don't need to see all these little things here, but I just wanted to show you the number of days. So this was last Wednesday. So here we are here on the first Sunday of Lent. Now there's 40 days. And what's interesting about what happened to Jesus was he was in the desert for 40 days. But in Lent, we take Sundays off because we're looking towards Easter and we're looking towards the resurrection. So some people choose to stop eating certain things or like not doing certain things during Lent. But you can take a break from that fast on Sunday because the 40 days don't count Sundays. So from here, if you count all these days here, the Monday through Saturday, but not the Sundays, that takes us all the way down here to this is the month of April, April the 16th. So that's what we mean by 40 days. So it's 40 days between Ash Wednesday, which was last Wednesday, and some of us were here at church and we had a special service where we had ashes on our heads, and then all the way through all these days here into April. So April the 16th. So that's why we have 40 days. And so Jesus was in the desert for 40 days and he didn't eat anything and he didn't drink anything the whole time he was there. So how do you think you would feel if you didn't eat or drink anything for 40 days? Yeah, cranky, super cranky. You probably would have died. He was so hungry. So does anybody, um, oh, no, no, I'm getting there first. So then in the story of the Gospels, when the Gospel writers wrote this story, there's a first story that a lot of them tell. Some of them talk about how Jesus was born, and there's a first story that they'll tell first. And we heard about it not that long ago, where something happened with Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. Does anybody remember? It was the story of what? I just gave you a hint with his name. John the Baptist, where Jesus was uh-huh baptized so we have the story where jesus is baptized and then almost right away in fact there's one gospel writer that says immediately he went out into the desert almost like he flew there but does anybody remember what god said about jesus when he got baptized so he got baptized and what happened 
Stuff started happening in the sky. Does anybody remember? Grown-ups, you can say two. What happened? Yes? The Holy Spirit came down. Yes, there was a dove, and then there was a big voice from heaven, and the big voice said, This is my son who I love. This is my beloved son, and I'm really pleased with him. I'm really happy with him. So it was like Jesus already knew, right? He knew who he was. So that's one of the things that that cool guy on the video was just saying. Jesus already knew who he was. So when he went out to the devil, he already knew his name. So this name tag says, hello, my name is the Beloved. Right? Hi, I'm Jesus. I'm the Beloved. So when the devil came to Jesus, he really tried to tempt him. Now, I have a question for you guys that I think is sort of a, a tough question, but I think you're really smart. So what had God said to Jesus at the baptism? What did he say? He said, this is my son. I'm really happy with him. I'm so pleased with him, and I love him so much. So I want you guys to just take a minute, okay? Put your hands out like this. One hand, one hand on this side of you. One hand on this side of you. Just say, good job. Good job. I love you so much. Tell yourself. You're so good. You've done such a good job. You're so great. So what are the kinds of things that your parents do for you or with you when they are so happy with you and say to you, you have done such a great job. I love you so much. What are some of the things that happen? Somebody that hasn't answered a question yet. What do you think? What do you think, Sarah? What happens at your house if your mom and dad are saying, good job, Sarah? What do they do? Do they give you a pat? Do they hug you? What about you guys? What does your mom do if she's super happy with you? A hug, right? She gives you a hug, says, good job. I see you, Pallisters. I just want another kid that has not answered a question yet to answer a question. How about you? What about at your house, Belinda? What kinds of things do you do for your kids when they're really happy? What do you do if your mom and dad say, good job, you did great? A hug, a high five. Has anyone's mom or dad ever sent them into the desert for 40 days to fast right after they just said, good job, super proud of you? You, I know, but your family's very unique. Yeah, um, if God was super happy with Jesus, why would he make him go into the desert for 40 days to walk around with no food and be tempted by the devil? Why do you think, why do you think that his dad did that? Okay, Nana Kathleen says so he could be empowered with the spirit. Okay, all right, what does that mean? Anybody else, why do you think... Why do you think, okay, let's put it this way. Do your moms and dads ever make you do hard stuff you don't want to do? Hands up if your parents make you do hard stuff that you don't want to do. Okay, like what kind of hard stuff do your parents make you do that you don't want to do? Yeah? They have to clean your room when they don't want to. Okay, pastors, you can give one. Chores, okay. What about you, Omer? What are you? Laundry, okay. Why? Why do our parents make us do hard stuff? Carpets. 
pick up garbage, do piano class. What about you? So, what do you want to say? Why do our parents make us do hard stuff we don't want to do? Seriously, can you let go of that, Sophia? Thanks. What do we say? Okay, so you're a part of that community, right? You need to eat, clean up those dishes that you're part of. Why, why else? Why do your parents make you do hard stuff that you don't want to do, do you think? Yeah, Christine has a thought. Okay, so to teach you discipline, to, to teach you things you don't want to need, does anybody have moms and dads that discipline them? Like you do something wrong and there's a discipline in your house. Okay, so we know that Jesus hadn't done anything wrong, but this was a kind of a discipline. Why do you think your parents discipline you? Do you ever, have you ever thought about it before? Why do you think your mom disciplines you? Yeah. Anybody have any ideas? Why do you think your mom and dad discipline you if something goes wrong? Do you have any ideas? Um, they always make me try to clean up my bedroom. I know, and cleaning up your bedroom. <laughs> All these things. So the Bible does actually give us a hint. The Bible does actually tell us about why Jesus had to go through this. So he said, the, the writer of Hebrews says this, so he, Jesus, had to get made like people human in every way. And then Jesus could serve God as a kind and faithful high priest, and he could pay for the sins of the people by dying for them. He himself suffered when he was tempted. So it wasn't like he went into the desert and he had some sort of special Jesus cream on him where he didn't feel hungry. He was hungry. He was hungry. He was tempted. He was tired. He was sad. But it says he suffered when he was tempted so that he can help us when we're tempted. Have you ever thought about that before? That we have a God in heaven that knows what it feels like to be tempted? This is what the writer of Hebrews says. We have a high priest, right? Like the, the guy who's in charge up in heaven who can feel it when we're weak and when we're hurting. We have a high priest who's been tempted just like us in every single way, except he didn't sin. So that's between, the difference between Jesus and us. When we're tempted, we sin. But, you know, this is what happened. And so um, Jesus knew who he was, right? He knew he was beloved. This is what our cool guy in the video said. He knew that God loved him. He wasn't going to fall for that. And so when God disciplines us and he asks us to walk through a really hard time in our lives, it's not because he is a mean God, because he's a mean dad, the Bible says that God is a good mom and dad. God's a good parent. And God disciplines people that he loves. So do you know that your mom and dad actually discipline you because they love you? I know. For reals. Have you ever, have you ever seen a kid somewhere who there's mo their mom and dad did, wasn't disciplining them? Have you ever been somewhere where there's been a kid just running around crazy and doing all kinds of naughty stuff and... And the mom and dad weren't doing anything? They were just sitting on the couch and watching TV. Maybe they were. 
But have you ever been somewhere where that happens? What did, what did you think in your head about a kid, if you saw a kid running around? Or if you're on a playground and a kid does something bad to you and no parent comes and does anything, what do you guys think about that? What do you think? Stop. Stop. Does anybody ever think, where's this kid's parents? What are they doing? What's going on? Right? It's actually a sign of love for your mom and dad to discipline you, to teach you to be the kind of person that is a good, responsible, caring person. And Papa Gordy was talking last week, and he said Jesus actually had to be transformed when he was on earth, which I'd never thought about before. But Jesus, the humanity of Jesus, he was human and God, right? Fully human, fully God. And Jesus had to choose. So he went through this time where he got tested, and he had to choose to be like us. Now, what's interesting... Does anybody remember what the first test was? He held it up in his hand because Jesus hadn't eaten anything for 40 days. So what did the devil come talk to him about first? Bread. How hungry would you be? 20 20 millions hungry. Okay. So what did he do? He said to him, you know what? If you're the son of God, you should come and you should take these rocks and you should do what? Turn them into bread. Okay. Now, could Jesus do stuff with bread later on. Do we know this about Jesus? Because we already know his stories. Who remembers a story about Jesus doing stuff with bread? Anybody remember story? Yeah? Okay. So could Jesus turn bread into stuff or turn stuff into bread, do stuff with bread? Totally he could, right? But what's really interesting is when the devil comes and says, turn these stones into bread, Jesus answers, but what does he say? Do you remember how Jesus answers him? What does he do every time? Does anybody remember? Yeah? Quotes the Bible. He quotes the Bible. And let me show you the verse that he quotes. And I love this because in our house, we love spies and we love detectives and we love code. And when I read this, I was like, oh man, it's like Jesus was talking in code. Because this is where this is from. When he says, man, what Jesus said was, and the Bible also says that man does not live on bread alone. But this is the whole verse he said. It's when Moses was talking to the people of Israel, and he said, remember how your Lord, your God, led you all the way into the desert these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart? I feel like Jesus was talking in code, where he was saying to the devil, I know my dad. I know my dad, and I know what my dad's doing. I'm here for 40 days, just like those people went in the desert for 40 years. And look what it says there. Why am I here? To humble me and test, to find out what's in my heart. And I can tell you, I have been in a very interesting season in my life where things have been pretty tough in a lot of ways. And I definitely, definitely felt this verse when I read it. I thought, wow, I have been really humbled And God has really tested what's been in my heart. And I really believe it's because he loves me. And he didn't want me to keep doing a lot of the stuff that I was doing that wasn't very healthy for me and for the people around me in a lot of ways. So I felt like Jesus is talking in code and saying to the devil, I know my dad. I know what I'm doing out here for 40 days. Whether or not you'd keep his command and he humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you manna, which neither you or your ancestors had known. Who remembers manna from what's in the Bible? Who remembers that wacky bread from that other Bible? Yep. 
to teach you that man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so he knew that, right? He was talking in code. And so when that guy said, you know, quote the Bible, yo, it's because the word of God says the Bible is like a sword. Make sure there's nobody around you, but everybody get your sword, okay? Can you move your sword? Can you use your sword? This says the word of God is alive and active, and it's sharper than a sword that has two edges. It cuts deep enough to separate our soul and our spirit. It separates all kinds of things. And then there's a whole other verse about the armor of God. Has anybody ever heard that? Where different parts of our faith are like armor that you put on in the battle? So there's a shield that we have that like if the devil's firing stuff at us, but it says here, but then there's the sword of the Holy Spirit and the sword is God's word. Oh my gosh, I should have borrowed your swords. That would have been so awesome. I think we should just bring swords for fun, right? So this is who we are, right? So he knew this, it is written. It was like a sword of power. So I think that it's really important that we know God's word because it reminds us who we are. When we remember stuff that God says about us stuff, or even the songs we sing, right? I was looking at you guys this morning when you were coloring in your benches, and you know the one song that I noticed everybody was singing along to, even when they were doing their coloring? Well, I couldn't see you guys, so I don't know if you were singing along or not, but I was noticing all the girls up here, they all love to sing, your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. And you were all singing that song, and it's really true, right? When we start to have those feelings about ourselves, if we know what's in God's word, we know what God's word says about us, we can say, wait a second, that's not true. And you can even use the same words Jesus said. So everybody stand up on your feet, because you're almost, the waiting part's almost done. Papa Gordy's going to lead us in a song. But first, I want you to practice saying this. Ready? It is written. Can everybody say that? So stand up. Can you work with that? It is written. Okay? And so that's really helpful. And so we're going to sing a super awesome old school song that lots of people probably know. But it's a great one to remember when you are feeling like you're not sure what you think about yourself. You're not sure what God thinks about you. This is such a good one. Does anybody know? The B-I-B-L-E. The B-I-B-L-E. It's a good one. You can even get some of those fist slams in there. Okay. Here, pick one. You ready? You ready? All right. uh, We'll start slow and build it in. And remember, be excited about this song because at the very end of it, you get those treats you've been waiting for. So go for it, all right? Make some room. Make some room for each other. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. Oh, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E, Bible. God's word will never fail, never fail, never fail, 
So sit down, sit down, sit down. Everybody can have. No, if you wait, you will not get even more. This is sadly not a compound interest thing. Okay, so take two things each to start. Take a, you can take yeah, a brown, two brownies if you want, or strawberry, and then we'll see if there's enough for everybody. So it is written. It is written. So when we're tempted. So we're going to talk again about what are some of the things that tempt us? And I want, I want to hear from our grown-up friends this time. So friends of ours, we're facing Lent. We're looking at what's in our heart. We're looking at expanding the table. What are some of the things that you're not even tempted uh, about, but maybe tempted to? Worry and anxiety. Yeah. Comparison. Comparison. Gossip. I don't know if I said that out loud for the mic. What else? What are you tempted to? Anger. Yeah. Those are the big ones for me. Fear and anger. Envy. Unforgiveness. Ha are you tempted to happiness? I love that. Tempt yeah, true enough. Tempted to want more and more and more. Can I totally twist your answer, Amy, and say, read? But you wanted happiness. I think we'll write happiness up here. Oh, yes, definitely. They all waited. Feel free. What else? What else really tempts you? What are you wrestling with? I feel like I'm so tempted to just talk. Hey, lady, what are you? Doubt. Doubt. Yeah. Shame. Shame. Oh, heck yes. Distraction. Distraction. Okay, so we're going to work with this list here. Because we are all about helping each other out today. So we're going to do this. Can I also say what else I'm tempted to do? Please. What are you tempted to do? Read until midnight. Read until midnight. <laughs> but why is that something you're not supposed to do? Why is that something you're not supposed to do? How come you're not supposed to read till midnight? Because reading is good. Right. Why do you think your mama and daddy only want you to read till a certain time? Guess. Yeah, how do you feel? 
grumpy. So they want to take good care of you. But sometimes we think that we know better what our moms and dads think. So guys, we're going to work together to help each other here today. Because I have these awesome, awesome pages here that say, it is written. So while the kids are having the snack, can anybody think, even if they can't think of exactly what the verse is off the top of your head, we have some Bibles in the back. Please feel free if you have a device that looks up scripture. Who can think of a verse that can come against worry and anxiety? Okay, 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 okay. So come, Miss Kim, let's go. This is the audience participation part. Miss Kim, come and get a marker and a pen, please. And write it down for us. Look it up. Who can think of a verse about gossip? A verse that would help you if you're tempted to gossip. Mrs. Rose, I hear you quoting something. Come and get a piece of paper. Come on, grown-ups. That's awesome. So would you please write it down for us here so we can see it. Is there somebody that can think of a verse or maybe could look up a verse for us about comparison? All right, Nana Kathleen, please come. Can anybody think of a verse about anger that would help you if you're tempted to be angry? Oh, okay, Miss Kirsten, will you please come and write this or I could give you a, a felt marker, okay? That would be great. Can you look it up and write it down for us? Okay, anybody, uh, envy? Envy? Who's willing to try and find a verse about envy for us? Come on, thanks, Anne. Here, I'm gonna have, Sophia, can you give the out pieces of paper, please, to people? How about unforgiveness? Is there somebody that's willing to look up a verse about forgiveness or unforgiveness for us? Because we're gonna come back to these in a minute. Come on, audience participation. Thank you, Nathan. Greed. Who would be willing to look up a verse about greed? Someone. Do you have a Bible? Do you have a phone with you? Somebody who has not volunteered yet. A verse about greed. Or doubt or shame or distraction. Any of these things. I'd love to get a verse. You'd like to look up a verse about shame. Write it down. That would be great. Amen. So, guys, I'd really like your help to help our kids here. Can we get some more people who are willing to do verses about greed, doubt, and distraction? Anyone? Because we're going to come back to this, but I need a verse. Mark is going to do doubt. Can I have someone do one for greed or distraction? Just look it up. Thank you, Sarah. I really appreciate that. Will you take greed? Would you like greed or distraction, Sarah? All right, greed. Papa Gordy will look for distraction. Okay. So, awesome. So, we talked about things that make it hard for us. So, how is Jesus feeling? How is Jesus feeling? Kids, let's come back here. You just had something you put in your belly. You already had three strawberries, and I think you need to wait. Well, what is there left? Let's go back to what we're doing here. So, hang on a second. Jesus had been in the desert, he'd been there for 40 days. What do we know about him? He was really, really, really hungry. So have you guys ever heard this before? If you look up here, H-A-L-T, halt. These are times where it's easy for us to be tempted. When we get hungry, when we get angry, when we get lonely, when we get tired. Have anybody ever seen this shirt? I'm sorry for what I said when I was hungry. Have you seen that before? That's totally me. In my family, too, my sister's like that, too. If she starts getting grumpy, her Auntie Caroline, her, her husband says to her, when was the last time you ate? 
And so when Jesus says, watch out, watch out for being tempted, these are some times where it's easy for us to be tempted. I know when I get lonely, that's when I want to look on my phone and look at Facebook or Instagram. One time I fasted that, and then I asked God to notice what was happening in my heart every time I wanted to look at social media. And it was almost always because I didn't like what was happening in the moment, in that moment in my life. It was because I didn't like how I was feeling, and I wanted to use looking at pictures of other people that I knew around the world to try and help me feel better. And I felt like God was saying to me, please will you come to me? Will you please let me make you feel better? You have all these other beautiful friends, but sometimes I'd go on social media and it didn't make me feel better. It made me feel worse. And then I'd walk around thinking about that and I'd be thinking about this thing that this other people said. And then you know what? I wasn't paying attention to what was happening around me. So what did we just, we've got these scriptures here. So what we can do is, do you remember what that guy said? If we get tempted, he said, quote the Bible and tell that bad devil to get out of here. But you know what's so interesting is that when we pray, our prayer is really, really, really simple that we need to pray to ask for help. Amy, will you, Amy, will you help me for a second? I'm wondering if you'll help me because I know you're not worried about um, there's a very special prayer that we need to pray when we're tempted. And Amy's going Amy's to help us. Okay, I'm going to whisper in your what we say. Are you ready for this prayer? Help. Okay, ready? This is what we say. Help. Everybody get that? Okay, say it really loud. Help. 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 Help, help, Jesus, help. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Can you say that? Help me, Jesus. And then, you know, thank you so much. That was perfect. I'll call you back if I need you again. You are awesome. Um, and do you know that that little thing that we just did with the brownies and the, the strawberries, it's something that scientists have even studied that. And it's so funny. This week I was doing this and I was reading about it. I found an article in a magazine about it. These scientists did this test with kids and they called it the marshmallow test. And yeah. And then I found out that our kids' school, the school that Tor and Ariel and Saoirse and Pax and Eleanor and Sophia all go to, the principal was telling them all about this this week. This idea that a scientist did a test with kids about temptation where he said to them, I'm going to sit you here in this room. Here's this marshmallow in front of you. There's video on the internet. It's so funny of kids sitting with this marshmallow in front of them, staring at it and waiting it. And they had to sit and look at the marshmallow and not eat it, but they knew if they sat there and waited when the tester came back, they'd get two marshmallows. Yeah, and so, is that what you heard? But the marshmallow was chocolate-covered and the chocolate-covered sprinkle Oh my gosh, a chocolate-covered sprinkle marshmallow. But you know, but you know, Did you do this test somewhere? So you know what they found out about kids that did this test, kids that could wait? It turned out later in life they were successful at other things. They, as you learned to wait, you were successful in other areas of your life. And what also helps is actually saying words. So this has been scientifically proven now. Saying words out loud about what different thing you're going to choose instead. 
So when the menu comes, I am not going to order the chocolate cake today. When I feel lonely, I am not going to look at Instagram first. I'm going to put my phone down and pray. When I am super angry with my children, I am going to stop and I'm going to take three deep, big breaths and put my hand on my heart to comfort myself before I scream my head off at them. And so it's not just about this Lent. It's not just about us giving something up, right? It's great for us to think about giving up all these things that are bad for us, but we need to look at the different things. So could I have a, a somebody that sort of scribes like a word here, because I can't do both at the same time. So our verse, can somebody come? So the verse here about distraction, listen to what's written here. This says, let your eyes look straight ahead, right here. Fix your gaze. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. So what could we say that we would choose as the option instead of being distracted? If we were giving up distraction, what could we choose out of that verse that we just heard? What did we hear? Focus. Focus. Fix your eyes directly before you. Give careful thought to the path for your feet. Be steadfast in all your way. Yeah, so instead of distraction, let's give up. If we give up distraction, let's choose focus for Lent. So unforgiveness, instead, of, if we're going to give up unforgiveness, here's a verse from Matthew 6. If you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will forgive your sins. So what's the opposite of unforgiveness? This is an easy one. Forgiveness. So if we're going to give up unforgiveness for Lent, I guess that means we're choosing forgiveness. If we're going to give up shame for Lent, this is the opposite of shame from Psalm 34 says, those who look to the Lord are radiant and their faces are never covered with shame. I love the idea of choosing radiance for Lent. Not beautiful. That's great. For greed, It says, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed, for life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. So what's the opposite of greed? Holding everything really close to us. Gratefulness. Generosity. What if you gave up greed for Lent? (sighs) Whoa, that would be crazy, right? You should not envy. You don't covet your neighbor's house. You don't covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant or his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. I don't think anybody's looking at somebody else's ox. But I tell you, if we're giving up envy, what's the opposite of envy? What would we choose instead of envy? Looking at what everybody else says and thinking, oh, I wish I had what they had. Thankfulness, gratitude. What were you going to say? Contentment. Okay, awesome. Let's say all those. Thankfulness, contentment, gratitude. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. So what's the opposite of worry if we're trying to give up worry or anxiety? Peace. Choosing peace instead of worry or anxiety. Trust. Yeah. Yeah, telling stories of when God's been faithful to us. Yeah. Anxiety is don't be anxious for anything. This is Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. But in everything, by prayer and petition. I've been working on this one because my sisters gave me this on my memorization cards. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds your face. So if we're giving up worry for Lent, 
We're taking in peace. We become guilty and we waste our time being gossips and busybodies, talking of things that they should not. 1 Timothy verse 5. So instead of gossip means talking about somebody else not in a kind way. So what would be the opposite of that, guys? Honoring, compliments. That's a beautiful idea. Trying to give out as many compliments as you can. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're angry. So what's the opposite of if you're trying to stop yourself from getting angry? Compliment, I-M-E-N-T. What about anger? I don't know how this works, but for me, breathing really helps. Peace, forgiveness. Yeah, choosing, choosing love, understanding. And you are accepted in the beloved. So Ephesians 1 verse 6, so you don't compare yourself. You're not comparing yourself, you're accepting. So when, we, when we're tempted, this is basically what we're going to do. So everybody who feels like lying down on the floor, I need you to sit up for a second for another action. Are you ready? Anger, peace. And then doubt. What do we say about doubt? Recounting what God's done. Trust. Okay. So is everybody ready? Okay, I need your stand up again. Ready? Need your arms. This is the big takeaway. Oh, anger could be self-control. So when we're tempted, ready with your arms, ready with your noodle arms, we're going to pray and we're going to choose another way and it helps if you can say it. Say that with me. Pray and choose another way and it helps if you can say. Yeah. So you can just remember, pray, way, say. But scientists, you can sit down again. You can move your arms if you want to. It's getting really warm in here. But this is what um, these scientists who did this marshmallow test, this is what they discovered, is that um, not only does it help if you say things out loud, if you say the opposite or you're trying to implement that, but it's saying the, the opposite choice. In, and people who are working to eat differently, instead of just the concept of giving something up, because in our minds, there's this idea of loss. And that was the temptation that Eve was facing in the garden, was God was saying, you're, you're missing out. You're missing out. God didn't really say that. God didn't really say that. And that's the other thing that's so amazing about this story of temptation, is that everything that Jesus was being tempted with was stuff he already had. Could, we know that Jesus could make whatever bread he wanted, right? Okay? And then about the whole thing of, of Jesus being saved, if he was going to jump off the temple or the whole earth being his, I mean, Jesus knew that God was going to give him everything that he needed. But he had to wait for God's timing. He had to wait for the time to God, for God to release that. And I was writing that down when I was preparing this sermon. I was writing that note, and it was like, Jesus already had everything that God was going to give him. He just had to wait for the right timing. And as I was like writing, I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, oh. Because I felt really impatient with my own limitations in the last year. Really impatient. There's a lot of things that I still can't do that I used to be able to do. And a lot of days I feel really frustrated about that. Some days I feel really peaceful, but some days I think, am I ever going to have the kind of job I used to have. 
Am I ever going to be able to, you know, do the things I used to be able to do? But I do trust who my Father in, in heaven is. And you know what's super interesting, guys, about the, the marshmallow test or the, ras- the strawberry test or the brownie test? I have a question for you. Why did you believe me when I said I would give you those things when I was done? Did you believe me? Did you believe me when I said if you wait till after this time, after this song, then I'm going to give it to you? Did you believe me? Yeah? Okay. Did anybody not believe me? Okay, so you believe me. So my kids, you all have your hands up. You can totally talk. Why did you believe me, Eleanor, when I said I was going to be done? Because you saw, okay, so you saw the strawberries and the brownies. Okay. Okay. Okay, cool. Thanks for saying that. So Sophia said that she knows I've been honest before. And in this test that scientists did with these kids, part of it they chalked up to DNA, but they also said part of it were children who were from households where parents kept their promises. Tested differently in these tests because they believed that the adult in question would keep their word. And so it comes down to our faith in believing that God is who he says he is and knowing that God has been faithful to us in the past. That if God is withholding anything from us right now in our lives, it is for our good which is super hard, because what you feel is, is the withholding. Um, and, and for me, what I feel is the brokenness. What I feel is the stuff that I lack, what I don't have, the things I can't do, the stuff I'm not capable of. And yet, God promises that if I give that brokenness to him, it's, it's beautiful. So, God also promises us to help us. He says, you're tempted in all the same way that other human beings are, but God's faithful. He won't let you be tempted any more than you can take. And when you're tempted, God will give you a way out, and you will be able to deal with it. And the Lord is faithful. Guys, did you hear this? God is faithful, and he will strengthen you. He will protect you from the evil one. So God promises to help us. Um, And so what Lent is about for us as we move into communion Could I get a couple of people to just help? Um, I'm going to do a little transition of sharing a little bit more as we move into communion, but be really helpful to move this and and to be able to bring our communion elements out. Um, So so I have a couple questions for you guys about communion. So what do we have when we eat communion? Super basic question. Somebody that has not answered for a little while. What do we have? Can I ask the chews? Then you can whisper to your mom and dad if you want to. What do we eat when we eat communion? Bread and? Okay, can I ask you a couple questions about the bread and the juice? Do you know anything about how juice is made? Grape juice. We have grape juice. Do you know anything about how grape juice is made? Okay. Samantha, do you know anything about how grape juice would be made? How do you think we would make the grape juice? Or some people have wine at communion. Any ideas? What happens to those grapes? Squooshed, totally. Totally get squooshed. Does anybody know anything about baking bread? Baking bread. Even grown-ups. Anybody know anything? Miss Lynn, how do we bake bread? Most bread, where does it come from? What do we use? Flour. Flour. We use wheat. Okay, people, what happens to that wheat? It gets smushed. 
it gets broken. Wait a second, before we even get the wheat, people who know anything about farmers, what do farmers have to do to their ground before you can even get that wheat? So you have to break up the ground, and then what happens to those wheat seeds in order to become stalks of wheat? Does anybody know what happens to them? So those wheat seeds, if you didn't know that life was going to come out of them, it looks like total destruction. So the farmer has to break the ground to get the seed in the ground, then the seed has to get broken open, then the wheat comes up and then the wheat gets broken, and then the wheat gets broken and crushed up to make flour, and then the flour gets punched and put. Has anybody seen a baker knead bread before? Punched and punched, and those poor grapes... They get squooshed and crushed and squished. And you know what's so amazing is that that is just what Jesus is like. He takes our bad brokenness that feels so yucky to us, all the things that were on that list, right? All that anger, all that hatred, all that doubt, all that fear, all that despair, and he mixes it up when we come to communion with him, he mixes it up with his good brokenness. What do you think was Jesus' good brokenness? Can anybody think of that? What would that have been? When was Jesus broken? Anybody can answer. When was Jesus broken? On the cross. Have you ever heard the story of all the stuff that happened to poor Jesus? Poor Jesus, he got punched. He got whipped. He even got nails. I don't even like to think about it. I don't even like to think about all that hard stuff he did. And when we're in the season of Lent, sometimes Lent is hard because the season of Lent is actually us thinking about the brokenness that's in our world. It's the reason we change the colors in the church. Instead of green, we have dark purple or black. And it's a color of sadness, of thinking about our brokenness. But you know what is so beautiful? Is that broken things are only sad if they can't be fixed, right? If you've ever broken something in your life and it can't be mended, you're sadder than if you have something that's broken. And one time, one of my kids knocked down this plate I really loved, and I was so upset I cried about it. And I went away, and I came back into the room, and my husband was sitting at the table, and he had glue, and he put all the pieces back together again. And it's actually hanging in our house in the kitchen, way high above the door. The only person that could reach it would be Sophia now. But it doesn't even look broken anymore. But if you look really closely at that plate, you can see all the places it was broken. And I love it so much because to me, the act of my husband taking that plate that was broken and gluing all the pieces back together again, to me was so much more beautiful now. And so when we have communion on the night that Jesus died, that's what he did. He took the bread and he did what? Do you remember? And he broke it up. So he knows that we're broken. He knows that we're dust, right? He knows we have a hard time, but the good news is what? That he helps us. So when we say that prayer this Lent, when we see our own bad brokenness, remember the prayer that Amy said? Help! 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 
and we can choose another way. So all of our brokenness and all the things that look so ugly to us, they're so beautiful to God. Our brokenness is so beautiful to God when we bring it to him. So today when you come to communion, I want you to think for a minute about your brokenness. And Miss Lynn sang that beautiful new song today. And I don't know if you were listening to that beautiful new song, but these are the words that she sang. She said, I'm tired, I'm astray and I'm stumbling. Jesus, shield my soul from the snare of sin. And that's what Jesus told us to do, wasn't it? He said, watch out for temptation. Watch out for when you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Watch out for the brokenness in your own heart. But God promises us that when we take our brokenness, like all those pieces of that broken plate, and he brings it to us, our brokenness is so beautiful to God because he can fix it up. So when you come to communion today, I want to invite you to go back now, and I want you to sit with your mummies and your daddies, and I want you to come together as families for communion. And I want you to think about if there's something that you feel like in your life that's broken up, that you know you're not good at, is there anything that you can't do yet that you wish that you could do? What's that, babe? To make that car that always up. Oh, yeah. Pax wants so badly to make a car that runs on garbage. to make trees regrow instead of exhaust. Is there anybody else that has something that they wish they could do that they just can't do yet? Or they're just not good at yet? Whatever that is, whatever that thing is that you're not so good at yet, whatever you feel like you might be bad at or need help with, can you imagine, can you just take your hands and hold your hands out like this? Can you imagine whatever that little broken thing is? And grown-ups, you can do this too if it's helpful for you. Can you imagine whatever that little broken thing is that you feel like might be inside of you? Can you imagine bringing that to communion today? And you can imagine what it is that you want to give up to Jesus for Lent. And it doesn't have to be something good. It can be something that you're really struggling with. And God can take our bad brokenness and our hard brokenness and mix his good brokenness with it. So I'm going to ask Papa Gordy what he wants to, Pastor Gordy, Gordy too, whatever you call him. Forest, and they can't find their way out. And um, God has created a natural compass in the world, in the forest, that moss grows on the north side of trees. So if you are in the forest, you still can find north. And I felt like God was saying that he's given us a natural compass in our world, and it is the word of God. It is our compass. And when we focus and we center ourselves in the word, like we did here with Joanna, and, and we always brought everything to the word, what does the word say about this? We can find our way out of this. And so for that person who is lost, who's lonely, who's desperate, who feels they can't get their way out of that forest, I just feel like center yourself in the word of God and you are going to find your way out. Amen. Thanks, Rose. So I'd like us just to prepare our hearts